0: Be continued at scs. georgetown. edu/podcast.
1: Pregnant ladies and little kids better get the hell out of the way because I am running. I'm just, I'm like Forrest Gump, dude. I am running. So the Titanic was the biggest ship on the ocean, but that didn't mean it was unsinkable. <laughs> <laughs> In next week. <laughs> I got one for you. My name is Kevin,
0: the official ombudsman. For the Just press play, podcast. Do you like apples? Welcome into another edition of the Just Press Play podcast. We took a week off, but we are back and better than ever. Well, we're missing LJ, but we got a good fill in. We got Uncle Tony hopped on with us. What's going on, guys? What's up, gentlemen? Up, and of up? course, we got pops. What's going on, pops? Oh man, it's great! It's a great day to be alive. You know, <laughs> yeah. man it it was it was a little cloudy here in Northwest Arkansas, but it was sixty degrees, sixty five ish. I mean, it finally, I think, springs on the horizon. We're into March now. I'm mm. I'm getting kind
1: of excited. Time changes. Uh, if, maybe, well, next if, maybe next weekend. Maybe next weekend. Maybe next weekend. Is it? Ooh, yeah. Be nice
2: before oh, the yeah. equinox. Oh, that would be great.
1: They keep moving, you know, they keep moving the time change back in the fall and up in the spring. So because so we're more on this say daylight savings time well i know you
0: have a lot of opinions when it comes to daylight savings um well i have the right opinion
1: i have the correct <laughs> opinion <laughs> I, you, I you always feel that way <laughs> who would not want another <laughs> hour in the evening as opposed I'm, to there's, the morning?
0: there's proponents there's there's yeah, probably a proponent
2: to everything but i i agree with you but you don't have to of, be at a bus stop at 6 a.m in the morning lip well 6 a.m <laughs> in the morning is dark sitting at a bus yeah. stop yeah yeah,
0: yeah see, is. see, if you had to walk to work in the morning, you might want a little bit of light in your morning. Well, I
2: mean, maybe,
1: but I doubt it. I still would rather have that hour yeah. in the
0: afternoon. Anyway, speaking of uh, <laughs> hours getting taken away and all that, uh, we just experienced a leap day. We are in February 29th. ninth. Uh, what was that on Saturday? Yeah, 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 on know. Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was curious. Do you guys know what
2: why we have leap years and leap days and that and all that? I get the feeling it's because of the something to do with the rotation of the Earth and the fact that Julius Caesar was probably an egomaniac.
1: Well, <laughs> that's usually just a good assumption well, at, like at any to- point. Like Tony usually is, Kevin. He's about half-ass, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, we typically say a year is 365 years. Or th- whoops. What? We what? typically what? say what? a year is 365 what? days. That's because that's how long it takes the Earth to make a complete orbit around the sun. However, co- the complete orbit actually takes, and I've actually seen a couple of different things, but it's, it's 365 days and some change. It's like 365.256.245. Okay. I've seen a few different things, but it, it comes out to be roughly 365 days and six hours. So while losing a few hours each day, doesn't seem like a huge deal over a stretch of like, say a hundred day, a hundred years you would all of a sudden be 25 days behind schedule. So like spring would start in February and winter would start in November. And then you just keep adding all of a sudden our our seasons are all over the place. So in 45 BC, Tony's boy, Julius Caesar, had the solution. <laughs> he thought, I am going right. to introduce this new 365-day calendar, which included one leap year every four years. And that made sense and everyone thought that would work. And it, it kind of did, but it's actually 365 days Five hours and forty nine minutes. So Caesar's was off by eleven minutes. And again, it's not that big of a deal, you don't think. But if you if you let it, if that happens over time and over time and over time, by year two thousand, our our spring and winters to be all over the place. So as a result, in the year fifteen eighty two, Pope Gregory the Thirteenth introduced the Gregorian calendar, which. Who would have thought? That's two episodes in a row. I think where we've mentioned the Gregorian calendar. I think you just <laughs> like saying
1: it, Kevin. I think you. I do.
0: I do kind I do of like saying. Uh-huh. It. I'm, I'm upset that LJ's not here because I always feel like he thinks I'm a little bit smarter when I say it, even though I'm not. I don't think <laughs> you LJ thinks you're smart. Up.
1: I think you're wrong on that.
0: That's true. Which, <laughs> uh, under the but under this new calendar that uh, Pope Gregory the Thirteenth did, we would observe a leap year every four years, skipping three leap years every four hundred years. This is where it gets into the weeds a little bit. <laughs> Um, the three that are skipped are the ones that end in the, in the two zeros, but cannot be divided by 400. For example, the year 2000 can be divided by 400. So it was a leap year. The year 2100 cannot be divided by 400 because that would equal 5.25. So no leap year. So, and what I thought was actually a little more interesting was the Gregorian calendar also had to make up for the egomaniac, Mr. Caesar's miscalculation. So when he first introduced this in 1582, or whatever I said it was, the days between October 4th and 15th were completely skipped to make up for all the days that Caesar's calendar was wrong. (laughs) Meaning, when people went to sleep on October 4th, 1582, when they woke up, it was October 15th. They just skipped nine days.
2: Wow.
1: (laughs) And that got everything back
0: together. So I just thought that was kind of
1: interesting. Well, can I ask something for some clarification, Kevin? So you... I don't know for sure if I can answer it, but you, you can s- certainly ask it. You said 2000 is divisible by 400. I get that. So, does that mm-hmm. mean we're going to have a leap year every four years this century? But in the century 2100, we will have zero leap years? Is that kind of what you're implying?
2: 21? Uh, so the year Kevin.
0: 2100, the year 2100, you will not every 400 years, you won't. Let's see. Kevin. Let me go back. Okay. So, yes. it's right. so
2: one time. Every 400 yeah. years. Okay. So right. a 2,400 lift. So when you wake up December 31st, 2399, and you're in that little cryogenic chamber that we've placed you in <laughs> so that you'll stay alive. So until my head's still around being your head, just, Yeah, your head's yeah. going to be going, damn, we're not going to have a leap year this year. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So- yeah, okay. all right.
0: I just thought that was kind of interesting. We 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 threw out a little present day knowledge last the uh, last pot, so I thought we would throw a little leap year knowledge out. And you know, it's it's kind of half ass knowledge. It's, it's kind of like you said, pops with Uncle Tony. You know, half ass
2: ride all the time. So <laughs> yeah, I think I may Let's have said get this. I may have said this last time. Pope Gregory, he's a smart motherfucker, man. You gotta <laughs> you gotta give it to Pope Gregory, man.
0: Boy, I I didn't I didn't. Don't. I didn't set our plus-minus for when we hit the F-bomb, I would not have put seven minutes as the...
2: As when no, we it. and I think so, using the F-bomb with the Pope, that might be, like, kind of bad, <laughs> Tony. I don't, know, I don't know. Have you been watching HBO and A New Pope? No, I'm They're I know, dropping true, F-bombs true. all over the place.
1: Dude, <laughs> so I am watching... Uh, the uh, outsider or either of you one of you watching the oh, outsider i like the outsider Not it's getting yet. a
0: little weird but yeah i like Not the yet. outsider oh don't, don't, i just don't i don't want to spoil it for anybody, anybody no but. i
1: won't but i love jason Bateman. and then that guy from bloodlines is in there you know the the uh, detective it's good tony
2: it's it's yeah, i'm 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 on episode it is 2 up. i got to get past luther first I know this episode is not about what are you binge watching. Maybe it could be. I mean, I, you I mean, never know. We started know. on,
0: people don't usually yeah. come to us for Pope Gregory and Julius Caesar talk, but here we are. So <laughs> you, never, you know. never know. You never know. You never Well, one thing you can pretty much assume is always going to get mentioned or mentioned at least every other podcast is my main man, Tony Romo. And my man, <laughs> he just landed a huge new deal with CBS I just saw, or over the weekend, CBS decided to retain analyst Tony Romo at 17 mil per year. Just to put that into perspective for you, that is five times the amount ever paid to any
1: announcer, ever. No. That's including, no. Right? John Madden, I think, made $8 million a year. I'm uh, not sure. I think I saw I don't that. Know. Well, we're going to
0: put research on that real quick. Oh, the okay. research team's about to check. The research, the research team. <laughs>
1: okay,
0: But Phil, time. Phil, time while we're doing it. What did you think about Tony Romo
2: making all that cash? You know, I he sure as hell is a better broadcaster than he was a quarterback. And I know people are going to argue about that. But, you know, Tony Romo has just never been my favorite Cowboys quarterback. Uh, but – the thing about the thing about announcing is he doesn't have all that pressure on him, and so he can say anything he wants to say, and he's really good in the moment. This is the thing about the seventeen million dollars. getting the big contract all any time that the talent pool is down, the guy that's actually got some talent gets paid more We're in it right where talent is being thinned out. We really don't see those big announcers where you know social media everybody's got an opinion this podcast has opinions, right? So, you know, you don't see Brent Musburger or, you know, uh Pat Summerall, John Madden, you know, uh, and Al Michaels, you know, God rest his soul. I get, hell, he's still alive. I shouldn't say it like that. Anyway, you know, it's time. It's time. So it, I don't know. I don't want to hear him say one more time. Do you believe in miracles? I've heard it. I saw it. It's great. 40 years ago, let's forget about it. But just uh-huh. there's just not that talent in the uh, in the broadcasting in- industry now. So you got one, you got to pay him. There's 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 nobody to set the market. So,
0: well, okay. So research team did get back to me, and um, <laughs> Romo was enough. making five times what he was making, and the highest amount ever paid to an announcer, even when adjusting for inflation. So I kind of got my my uh, my facts confused there. But to your point, there, Tony, I think that is exactly it. And what happened was nobody had like what happened was there's no If there was a good second man at CBS, like if they had another guy that was almost as good as Romo, maybe not quite as good, but almost as good, they wouldn't have to shell out for Romo because they would have a good backup quarterback per se, but there's not much other great announcers out there, so all of a sudden, and Romo came, what was really interesting to me is Romo, for the first time in his career, got incredibly lucky, and he became a free agent at the right time. Back when, uh, John, I did some research looking at Brian Curtis for The Ringer did this really good article about, he, he kind of does sports media and looks at the figures and how much people are making and stuff, and he does a really good job. But he, he was writing about how back when Madden became a free agent, the league had just signed their new rights deal. Whereas right now, Romo Sooners are trying to sign a new rights deal. So by becoming a free agent now, Romo is benefiting from great timing where CBS and ESPN are both desperate to show that they deserve the best deal from the NFL. And so, like Tony's saying, you want the top guy. And the top guy, it seems like if Romo is the top guy, it's kind of a drop-off to who's the next. And so CBS wanted to make sure. And it's actually more interesting to me where ESPN wants like, they want to really change it up where Monday Night Football gets flex scheduling. They want to get into more primetime games. They kind of want to get in that Super Bowl rotation so getting Romo would help bolster what's already been, I mean, as, as we've talked about a lot on this podcast, a lackluster booth on Monday Night Football. <laughs> so, yeah. And then CB, CBS recently lost, let go of uh, SEC Saturday Football. So keeping the NFL games, they, they still have it for now, but they're soon going to lose SEC Saturday Football. Mm-hmm. So keeping the primetime Sunday games on, on the NFL is big. And then they also, Les Moon, Moonves was recently ousted because of the whole sexual assault stuff. And he was kind of the NFL plug. He's really good friends with all the NFL people. So CBS had to prove that they're serious. And so what better way to do that than go, hey, Roma, what you tell us what you need? And from what I was reading, that his his asking price skyrocketed in the past week because he basically, I think whoever his agent is realized like what you were just saying, Uncle Tone, where he was like, You got you, you could reset the market right now. So go do it. And to me, I, more power to you. Go get your money. If you you're only as you're only as valuable as you can negotiate. And Romo and him went and negotiated a yep. big old contract. Big what do you think, Pops?
1: Well, I, I, from what I gathered, there was a time period that was soon to elapse that would allow him to negotiate with, among others, ESPN, who obviously wanted. I think him. like
0: March fourth. Right. So very so, soon. So
1: the time that in that CBS had uh, uh, exclusive rights of negotiation, was drawing to a close, and he was obligated to give them some figure, I think, or something like that. It, so I guess what I'm alluding to is that it seemed like it would have been better for Romo to probably went ahead and hit the open market and let ESPN negotiate against CBS. And And quite frankly, I would have liked to have seen that because – Although, and I do want to say, I like Booger McFarland much better before he got in the booth on Monday night. Agree, I, I liked him on Greeny, you know, on the uh, in the mornings and stuff. I liked him on some talk shows, but he is not a. Uh, he's better than Jason than Witten, and I love Witten as a, as a guy. Well, that's but, saying a
2: lot. <laughs> but he,
1: he he's better than Witten in my opinion. But yeah. I would like to see ESPN been able to make a run at Romo. I do think he's the best analyst, and I'm a little shocked that. And I probably need to learn a little more that he he signed a hell of a deal, no doubt. But it seems like it's always better to have two people bidding than to, to negotiate just with one party, which is what negoc- which was what happened. I have a thought to that,
0: but Tony, it looked like you were about to say something. Did you have a reaction
2: oh, to that? No, I, I just like Jason Witten better because I can get drunk faster by how many times <laughs> it's a situation. <laughs> so. Just playing the Jason <laughs> Witten drinking game. Yeah. Yeah, booger, it's really just a competition to see if you can make it to the third quarter. Yeah. Booger. You just laughed Cause like, I can't believe you said that, but with Jason, you could, the
0: um, I agree with what you're saying to an extent there, pops, uh, make it's you obviously make more money when you got people bidding on you. That's why, that's why you don't usually let your quarterback get to the free agent market. Cause all of a sudden when people are bidding on you, you can make a lot of money. But I was, uh, hearing some stuff about how Romo really wasn't as interested to go to ESPN. Because when you go to ESPN, while they do pay you the big bucks, you're going on get up on Monday morning. You're going on NFL Live on Tuesday. You're going to make the rounds on all their shows throughout the week. Mm-hmm. Romo's kind of got it. He, he plays golf every weekend. He's calling the big game every weekend. He's still in like the Celebrity PGA Open and all that. He's he's doing very well. And I think he was he's totally. And I think it's a big deal for him. I I don't know if it is or not, but him and Nance work really well they together.
1: Do. They, do. they
0: do. I think part of it was yeah. like, Hey, I kind of want st- to, it, I'm a good power forward. I kind of want to stay with my point guard that runs the pick and roll with me real well. And I think yeah. that's kind of where Romo was at. Yes. What? And I thought it would be interesting if ESPN would have shelled out the big bucks for him, what that would do with ESPN's employees. Like if you're Kirk Street and you're the top college guy, do you go back and go, Hey, uh, I'd like to redo my contract now. If you're,
2: you know, every big name there, i would be ready to redo my contract. If Romo just got paid. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know that we'd miss Kirk Herbstreit. I like him and everything, but, you know, Jim He's Corson okay. I I thought can find I, any cloud. When, so, you know, that'd be
0: When fun. it all came down to it, $17 million for almost seemed crazy to me at first, but then uh, doing a little research, CBS pays the NFL $1.03 billion every year to broadcast its game. So paying $17 million to Romo
1: to announce yeah. their biggest game every weekend doesn't sound near as big. but <laughs> all and, relative. And, and CBS has the AFC, right? So probably I would think the premier Conference is still the NFC, uh, which is what Fox has, right? Well,
2: except well, – whoa, I don't well, know. I, yeah, I would somewhat disagree. If the Cowboys come back and become uh, a playoff team, I think the NFC will come back and have that kind of notoriety. But you've got the Patriots – and the Steelers. If Tom Brady stays, no, and, you the, now, it, and you got Kansas City now, and you got Kansas City, so you've got very popular clubs in the AFC. Whereas Dallas, America's team, really not that much America's team right now. So you Agreed. know, if they start to win, I think you'll see the NFC ratings come up. AFC. What y'all think about? Some some
0: NFL players not having a response to Romo making that money. Michael Thomas in particular <laughs> you're you're said, jealous. "No way, announcers should be making more than ninety percent of the players." I think you're right, Tony. I think he's jealous that Tony Romo's not jealous. getting hit anymore and making seventeen million. Yeah. Which I'm jealous too. I wish I was getting paid
2: seventeen million, but I ain't. So oh, yeah, yeah. I, I wish I was Tyson Fury and could could come into a you know a boxing match on a throne, but you know. Hey, I'm not six foot seven, so shut up, Michael. And if you want to announce, go to class. You yeah, know. you, you, you can always keep try to catch him in footballs because I need you in dynasty. So
1: you know, I play. think uh, you it'll be interesting. You're worth what somebody will pay you, whatever that yeah. is. I mean, yeah. you're worth. And so, if somebody will pay Romo seventeen million, more power to him. I, I you know, I'm envious, but I'm yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying, Michael Thomas. ought to do shut you up? Think and play so, so you, you think
0: so? So, as we to wrap up this conversation, do you think? Is is Tony Romo worth that? Like, does a Tony Romo game does it does it mean something to you? Are you more inclined to go watch the game because Tony Romo's calling it? Like, does it
2: justify CBS pay? Go ahead, Tony. I'm not because you know, but I'm a direct ticket kind of guy because I will. a red around, zone but, and- you know understand nationally if you're not doing direct ticket with with picking the game you want to watch or doing red zone Tony Romo is going to be on the nationally broadcast game and probably going to be the three o'clock game uh, the right. one where they're really concentrating on, on that particular that particular uh, that game and the thing I'll say is that in each and every sport or in each and every business there's always that contract that sets a precedent and I think we've now seen that this is a precedent setter for broadcasting for the next 20-25 years You saw that A Rod in baseball, you know, 20 years ago. He had a a precedent setting contract. You go back to Herschel Walker with the USFL several years ago before that precedent setting contract. I think now you've got Romo with a precedent setting contract. Kind of resetting the market. And as we move forward, that's what broadcasting is going to be based upon. Yeah.
0: I wonder, I want to see the the former players now trying to get into it. But, oh, Pops, I I wanted you to answer too. What do you, does a Romo game, I I feel like I know the answer, but does a Romo game kind of draw you in more than just? A bit too b- a big team a big game
1: absolutely it will now I will not watch a Romo game Romo Nance game that I'm just not interested in but if I have even a modicum of interest um, I will I will tune to that game over another one because Romo yeah. Romo calling the game does elevate it some to me I would be more apt to watch it I mean here's what I'm a red Zone watcher I'm a Dallas cowboy watcher when they're on and are Romo so it would be kind of in though in, in that order probably is what i do so if if romo's if if cowboys aren't playing and romo's not calling a game i'm probably red zone unless there's a game i'm really really interested yeah Yeah. Yeah.
0: i think to 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 put a pin in it you're right pops i think cbs even though 17 million seems like a lot they're probably happy it didn't become a bidding war because like you said as soon as it becomes a bidding war that those dollar signs and those commas and zeros start adding up
2: Mm -hmm. so I just um, somebody, somebody going to get Gronkowski in this game? Well, yeah, that's the former players are going to start getting in. Phillip Gronkowski.
0: Rivers, if he retires anytime soon, I think he's going to be a commodity just because I think he's interesting. Jay Cutler had a job before he returned to play for the Dolphins for like six games or whatever yeah. that was. <laughs> Greg Olson has done a few games. I, I think you'll start seeing guys boring. try to get into it. I like Olson a lot. Um, moving on from another NFL topic, uh, the NFL CBA stuff's kind of floating around now, and – While it's not, it's kind of going under the radar a little bit because we're not, a lockout is not imminent because we're a year away from a possible lockout. It is kind of interesting to me. Late Tuesday night of this past week, the NFL sent a proposed CBA to the players for a vote. And a few notable players took to Twitter and uh, other social media platforms to show their displeasure with the proposed CBA. Russell Wilson, among some of them, saying that NBA and MLB are doing it right. Players come first. The NFL deserves the same. We should not rush it for the next ten years for today's satisfaction. I vote no. Aaron Rodgers also saying that he voted no on the after talking with all of his teammates. Marquise Pounce, he probably had the most uh, up, uh, most um, f bomb laced uh, opinion <laughs> my man. when he went on. He went on a tirade basically saying, "I vote no." The dudes at the top, the leaders, that's fnbs. F that they're not looking out for the best of the players. If y'all want my vote, I vote no. And then he went on to say that. If you need money, if one of your if you're one of the young players and you need money on one of these lockouts, if it happens, they're going to help you out. So it was interesting. I, among the things people are, that, that's been out there, we don't really know exactly what's in the new CBA, but we know via reports what some of the stuff is. One of them was, and it's an incentive for the lesser known players, where they're going to add $100,000 increase to the minimum salary. So that could mean a lot for those guys that are number 53, 50, 45 on the roster. Yeah. Uh, they want to do a playoff expansion to seven teams making seven teams instead of six to make the playoffs with only one team receiving a first round bye and they want to add a 17th regular season game. So I'll just throw it out to you. Pops, do you think, do you think a lockout could be coming or do you think what, what what's your thoughts on it? Do you have any thoughts on the CBA stuff?
1: Um, I I think a lockout could be coming because I mean, I, and here's the thing though, I, I saw also, and I don't know that you mentioned, but I think in 2020 or maybe in this CBA the players get like one more percent of overall profits you know it goes where it was 5347 it may go 5248 or mm-hmm. i thought i saw something like that so but i'm just the, the 17th game i guess we've all here played some football it is a brutal game i mean 17 games against the the very best the planet has to offer is a lot. I mean, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury can't fight 17 times, you know, yeah. I, just, I, that may be a little too much on a, on a body. So they'd have to make concessions with practices. I've heard them that they might have to well, do Well, and they've that. talked about some of that less um, padded
0: practices and,
1: but I think even that causes sometimes some, some injuries because they're not used to the hitting, you know, by the right. time the the regular season comes around. So uh, I, the question I think you posed to me is, could you see some kind of, of uh, walkout or or something along that nature? And I think you could. I think you could see some kind of stoppage on this because I think you're going to see the players backing up to that 17th game.
0: I just wonder, is it a little easier for a guy like Russell Wilson who's making $20, whatever, $30 million a year to say, yeah, I can do a lockout when I'm – because you need majority vote. What What about guys 35 to 53 on the roster who are like – Dude, I want the money. I, I might only be in the league for four years. Yeah. I might only be in the league for 4 years. Missing a whole year is going to be tough. And who knows if I even make it after this year's over. Plus, we're talking that $100,000 increase and a 17th game is another game check.
1: But that but real I, quick, I know Tony's going to have some comments, but that 35th to 53rd player on the on the roster is not out there getting his brains beat in each play. Now neither is Russell Wilson per, you know, but that, that's why I thought it was interesting
0: right. with a guy like Marquise Pouncey, who's one of the guys that's in the dirt, you know, in, the, in the middle of
1: all of it, yeah.
0: So, um, Marquise Pouncey's kind of like, in one way, he's like our man, Uncle Tony, where he always has an opinion. <laughs> Tony, what is your opinion on this CBA stuff?
2: Yeah, I the 17th game, I just don't get it. Now, the, what I saw them, they had come down to, is there'll be a 17th regular season game, there'll be one less preseason game. As, as far as that goes, okay. I'm okay with that. But, you know, nobody plays the final preseason game anyway. Just that So is that really me, even
0: that much of a concession to not, the players? I mean, not it not sounds like concession. it, but it's not. So,
2: so here's what I would say about a lockout. I, what's different now than it's been different the last couple of times I've done the CBA is that NFL is not on the incline from as far as viewership and its dominance. It's still dominant in the in marketplace as far as sports uh, at watching and, and contracts. You just look at Tony Romo. But it's not as dominant as it once was. So you know, MLB is really headed down. But you've got a prolifer proliferate, proliferate that word, proliferation. <laughs> I tried you it. Got a third of Of sports out there, and I don't think they're as dominant as they could be. They're I think they're really scared of uh, dare we say it soccer uh, and and the global impact that that has. So I don't think a lockout's coming. I think they'll get something done here. But I will say it's time for the NFL owners to figure out. You know, the gravy train is here. We're in a different life cycle of this product. We really need to continue to get our profits, but we can't look at the return we've been getting on it. So, I don't think a I don't think there's a walkout coming. I could be wrong, but I, I think the players are smart enough to know let's let's take it. And let's 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 get the balance. And I will say this: the salary cap is a big deal in this, and they're talking about the salary cap going up. And if the players can say, okay, look, we'll play an extra an extra game, but the amount of money that you guys are going to have to pay us is going to go up. And so everybody's going to have a salary cap increase. So you could be talking about, let's say the salary, cra- salary cap increased by $20 million per team, 30, 30 teams times $20 million. That's a big influx of cash to all of those players.
0: Well, so interesting. Some other things that have popped up, which I don't know where these are in CBA, but I know they're part of the conversation is the possibility of one limiting the franchise tag to one or even possibly none, which the franchise tag, the reason the players want to get rid of is because that's kind of perfect for keeping guys at a... Because instead of letting a guy hit the open market, like Pops, you were saying with Romo, the franchise tag keeps him on their team, and it also does an average salary of the top. So instead of letting Mahomes hit the market, you can franchise tag him and not let him reset that market. And then... The other one is the possibility of, of raising the cap. Like Tony said, I've, I've even heard it floated around that some people want it to be uncapped. I don't know if that's even possible or not. But regardless, if you either uncapped it or just raise it up by a lot, that means that's more money to pay the players. And I think this has a really interesting ripple effect to teams and players right now. Like, So if you're the Cowboys, just think, since we're all Cowboys fans here, Uh, If you if you're a team like the Cowboys and you have you have three guys that are up for free agency at least that are all three pretty good players in Dak Amari Cooper and Byron Jones if you know whenever if they agreed to something say they agreed to something today some of these franchise tags the the 17th game stuff wouldn't happen until I believe 2021. But some of this franchise tag and cap room stuff would happen immediately. So all of a sudden, if you're the Cowboys and tomorrow you only have one tag instead of two, you might think twice about who you're tagging, whether it's Cooper or Dak or Jones. And so I think it's interesting where teams are nervous on what to do. And then I think as players, it's interesting because if you're a guy like Mahomes, if the league goes either uncapped or the cap goes way up and or they take the franchise tag away, if you're Mahomes, you may want to wait to sign that extension yep. until either next year because all of a sudden, if there's no franchise tag and you're Mahomes and you hit the open market, boy, that contract's going to be gargantuan. But that also is the possibility we just saw his kneecap get dislocated last year. <laughs> right. You never right, know what could right, happen. I just think right. it's really interesting where these guys have a lot to think about because I just don't know if we really know where this is CBA-wise because... I know what there's players thinking, but it's a majority vote. And so even if there is some of the high high name, big name players making their voices known at the end of the day, they could vote the majority could vote the other way. I just think there's a lot of interesting things with this and we're not
2: going to know much. I don't think anything will happen until next year, but it's way early. It's, it's way early for the CBA stuff, but it's, it's interesting to talk about, but yeah, the franchise tag, I really like the two franchise tags and I don't know why the players wouldn't like that. You're getting paid the average of the top five, players. and if I perform, guess what? My contract value is going to go up the next year. The reason, now, I mean, the reason I don't like it is, is because it's keeping no Byron security. Jones from hitting the open market. Yeah, it's a right. one-year yeah. deal
0: instead of letting him hit the open market and go get yeah. him a five-year deal. Yeah.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, that's what happened to Earl Thomas, right? Isn't that what happened to Earl Thomas? Exactly. Yeah. So he hurt his yeah. leg, and now he's flipping off the bench because he, he you know, he didn't have that secure he couldn't contract. The, right,
2: right. So yeah, I, that's a gamble you take. But now. You could get Kirk Cousins, you know, and get franchise tagged three years in a row, and then all of a sudden he makes this big contract.
0: Well, it can work out well for you, but you're kind of playing Looks with fire because if Kirk Cousins yeah. would have had an Alex Smith type injury where his knee is completely or his legs just completely shattered, he might not have ever gotten that $84 million guaranteed deal, which yeah. it worked out great for Cousins. He played his cards right, bet it on himself, and that was awesome. And it worked. Oh, but it doesn't
2: oh, all, it's, a, it's a violent sport, and it doesn't always work that way. Yeah. I'll bet you Lloyds of London likes that franchise tag. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I bet they do, Tony. No, yeah. No. Good point.
0: Um, Other NFL news. I, we're, we're really hitting the NFL hard. The NFL combine going on. Uh, One of the more notable things that happened was Henry Ruggs from Alabama. He was upset at the fact that he ran a four You, seven. I'd be pretty stoked if I had a four seven, but apparently the uh, wide receiver said that he wanted to break the record for 40 times, which is set by, which was set by a Bengals wide receiver, John Ross. A couple years ago at four two two. But my bigger question for you guys was what does does the 40 time really tell you much for a receiver
2: in particular? It, Do you think it tells you much, Tony? I think it does for two things. One's it tells you a little bit. The four the difference between a four two seven and a four three seven or a sub four four, once you're sub four, four it doesn't really matter. But you're blazing it, fast.
1: It, yeah, you're I mean, fast. I'm not worried
2: about it. But at four, if you're if you land at four six or four seven, it tells you one of two things. It tells you either a this guy is not working and he's he's out of shape, and if he's not working for a combine, is he going to work for a contract or or it tells you he is kind of slow for that position, and you need to be able to to adjust what your uh, what you're looking at that that player to do, especially at the wide receiver position. Well,
0: and the reason I thought about it is because one. I just don't know. We always get all excited about, oh, that guy ran a really fast 40-time. but I mean, look at John Ross. I know some of it's injuries, but his career is not taking off at all. And then I saw some stuff where uh, Michael Irvin once said that no receiver who runs a 4-3 or faster has reached, reached the Hall of Fame because that's too fast to remain under control while running routes. <laughs> Michael Michael Irvin also ran a 4-5-4, I think, or yeah, something. Yeah,
2: he was, wasn't blazing fast. He was considered slow. But he was. So, <clears throat> yeah. So I, I think, don't know
0: how much there is truth to that, but I did look at. The, here's the list of the ten fastest receivers to ever run the forty time: John Ross, J.J. Nelson, Dre Archer, Marquise Goodwin, Jacoby Ford, Mike Thomas. Not that one. Darius Hayward Bay, <laughs> Yaman Figures, Jerome Mathis, and Dante Stallworth. Dante Stallworth's probably the best name on that list, yep. and he's not
2: a perennial Pro Bowler. I don't know. Skillet Hands Bay has has always had the potential. <laughs> Just gosh, Well, dog. one
0: yeah. thing that that well, and rest in peace to Al Davis. But one thing that good that fast forward time would have done is it got you drafting the top <laughs> ten in Raiders. the black and silver. Speed yeah. kills, my um,
2: friend. Yeah. Speed kills. Uh Yeah, I did that. I issue. think
0: it matters in like a corner position sometimes, and and mm-hmm. other. And I think it matters when you see a linebacker like, gosh, what uh, what's his name, Isaiah Simmons, who ran the four three nine at 6-3-200 whatever pounds Ooh. he is. Yeah,
2: good. I, they wanted to be a Razorback. Back. Did you pick up on that, Tony? That Isaiah uh, yeah. wanted that's, to be a Razorback. Yeah, let's not talk about that. It's like Malik Monk. I don't want to talk about that. Okay. No, well, Malik enough.
0: Monk mm-hmm. didn't want to be a Razorback.
2: Yeah, he yeah, chose Kentucky.
0: Isaiah Simmons wanted an wanted offer, wanted and we an were just – uh, Mr. Uh, Bielema just uh, didn't really want him. Yeah. I, I did think there was a pretty cool comparison that the NFL uh, – the NFL research Twitter thing put out that Isaiah Simmons in 2020, he's 6'3", 238 ran a four, three, nine and ran and had a 39 inch vertical Julio Jones in 2011, 6'2, 38.5 inch vertical. And one of those guys is a
2: linebacker. That's yeah. pretty scary. Yeah. To me, there's so two, two things come, that come out of the combine. I was talking to a, a friend of mine. That's a <clears throat> a serious fantasy football player in dynasty. And he really follows the combine. That vertical is really what you want to look for. The vertical, in most cases it tells you about the athleticism of that particular uh, of that particular player. So the, that vertical and, and then the long jump, I think, uh, the broad jump, broad jump, same thing, broad but jump, yeah. that explosiveness that tells you about the player. Although the 40, uh, is a, it, it's kind of the glamor, uh, statistic. It's that, that vertical with the combination of the the physical ability. So when you start talking about 39 inch verticals and six foot something and above 210 pounds, damn, you're talking about an asset. Yeah. And so uh, he, this guy I've talked to from a dynasty sample, he never does anything drafting unless he's got a 38 plus vertical and a, uh, huh. a um, I think two or six three six four. Those are definite. Those are definite picks. So, and NFL is kind of the same. You look at that. That's that's kind of the combination. Well, and I, I think you had
0: kind of hit on something earlier. I think a slow forty time may tell you more than a fast forty time because, like you said, what's are below four four? You're just fast. You're upper echelon, one of the faster guys on the field every time you touch yeah. the field. Yeah, but yeah. when a guy shows up to the combine after the season, the college football season ends, and all you're supposed to, all you're doing is trying to get drafted, and you come out and run a four six or four seven, yeah. and look out of shape. That sends a huge message and a red flag anybody want to anybody wanting draft that you couldn't just get. Yeah. Give me four months of training to gear up for the biggest training day of your life, the biggest interview of your life. I mean.
2: Yeah. I think yeah. you're right. I think it shows Absolutely. more. Absolutely. Because you, run a slow you one. know, uh, Liff and I know a guy, legend, legendary, four playing for the Delta Warriors. I never saw him go to the NFL. So I don't know that that four four forty really means anything. Well, I, I wanted to kind
1: of give what I saw where they were I love how they show at the Combine, like uh what is it, Isaiah, what's his last name? Simmons. Yeah. Isaiah Simmons. Where they show running against other other players and they showed him running against Zeke, uh and, and among others, and Alvin Kamara. And Alvin Kamara was butt ass last in that in that race. <laughs> I wanna say he ran maybe a four butt ass last? He was butt-naked yeah. last in the 40 <laughs> of, uh, of the ones they were showing. And and so I do think that, and you kind of raised this point, Tony, 40-time, 40, 40 and, and maybe what you said, Kevin, a slow time probably says more than a fast time because Alvar Kamara is obviously a great, fantastic back, and he had a relatively slow 40 times. So, I don't remember Emmitt Smith, quite frankly, being blazingly fast. When somebody was after him, he was pretty damn fast, though. So, you know, he of outrun know? people. Um, Speaking of
0: receivers and 40
1: times, you know what uh, Jerry Rice
0: ran in the 40 time? I don't think it was blazing fast. Four seven one. Yeah, And yeah. I I don't know for sure. I think he was pretty good at football. I think he was pretty I good. Calvin I think football. he was pretty I good. I can't
2: remember what Calvin Johnson ran. He Um, was like a 4.28 or 4.3. He was
1: one of those crazy speeds. Megatron? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Megatron ran a crazy 40, as I recall. I think he did uh, four three
0: five. Yeah, four, the research five. team research team has really been putting in some work this episode. Wow. But, you but
1: you know what? We might give a little credibility to er- Michael Irving though, uh, Irvin, because well, because maybe think if you're that it, fast, you can't stop it, as fast. Well, and if you are, I mean, I know I don't run anywhere near four or five, but I mean, <laughs> really, I have, I've been running like in some flag football, and if you're running as fast as you possibly can, it is hard to concentrate and catch the football. There, there's almost there is a a, a mix that needs to go along. So I think Michael Irvin is owned to something there. And you yeah. named off these fastest receiver. I I think he's owned to something a little bit. I, I do don't. too. The more I looked
0: at it, I thought, I, I don't know if
1: it really, sure, I'd love
0: to have a guy, I'd love to be 4 3, but I think. If you're 4'4", four, four, I, I want to know what
1: your – like Tony said, I want to know what your vertical is, what's your hands like, what's your broad jump. If you're you a 4'4", you're fast. You and what you're a running fast, back, you're you know what I want to know? I don't care if you run a 4'6", how fast can you get to that 4'6 speed? If you yeah. get there in two steps, if you – that's explosiveness, and maybe that's what you're talking about, the
2: broad jump and the and the high jump so that, because yeah. explosiveness
1: so, is what it matters.
2: Yeah, and that's where you're talking – a lot of people look to that cone drill to make a decision yeah, that, on how quick or how – what kind of athleticism they're looking at although wide receivers that does you don't see that cone drill be a big deal for them but now cuz that cone backs, drill it really tests your ability line.
0: to change direction at high speeds yeah. where they put three cones placed in an L and you basically yeah. run back and forth to them real quick yeah. so
2: yeah i tell you you know i i think anybody's 40 time pants if they've got a red wasp after him, <laughs> Well, You're right. They I tell you what, I Lift
0: might be able to get into the sub sub fours in there if you if you. Hey, get I might a red be playing wasp in the
1: NFL right now if, if I can get a red wasp buzzing in my ear all the time.
0: I'd be bowling you know,
1: people over.
0: Maybe more impressive than Rugs running that four two seven or Pops running with a red wasp after him <laughs> is watching these big guys that run these fast speeds like Mekki B- Becton. Who ran a 5'1? He's a former offensive tackle at Boston College, weighs 364 pounds that ran a 5'1. And then to one up him, Iowa's a former Iowa Hawkeye O lineman, Tristan Wirth, ran a 4'8'5 and he weighs 320, 6'5", 320, running a 4'8'5 and he set the record for broad jump and Had a vertical of 36.5 at at 320 pounds. That is insane.
2: You know, those numbers are wild. (laughs) Speed and weight equals momentum. (laughs) When that train starts coming along, (laughs) it ain't stopping. Yeah. So, shout out to Prestige Worldwide because physics will tell you mass times speed force. And so, that (laughs) is what's different in football today. When some dude weighs two hundred and sixty pounds and he's coming at you, Derek Henry at four point seven, you're you're gonna be hurt. You're that making a, a business decision if you want to tackle that right at you. So yeah, that's a that force is man. That's a whole lot different today than it's ever been. That, and just the think of about it at that at that three
0: hundred and twenty pounds pulling from the left guard running a four eight five.
2: Yeah. yeah. Woo! Yeah, how many times I'm I'm I think right now if you ask any defensive back in the NFL, "Oh shit, John Ross is coming around the corner." Care? "Oh shit, Derrick Henry is coming around the corner." They care. All of a sudden, exactly. my knees hurt. And force, I fell down. That force that's coming around the corner that really impacts. And some of these guys to this particular class—not to talk fantasy, but this particular class has some of the. Who best would have thought athletes. that
0: Uncle Tom would mention fantasy football? <laughs> I know that
2: was. This is a shocker. There, hey, I, okay. So from a straight NFL standpoint, there are a lot of teams that are going to get real healthy this year out of this draft. Some of the best.
0: I think this is a, a deep draft. I think I feel like we might say this all the time, but I really do think there's a lot of. T- talent at yeah. receiver, running back, offensive line. I think there's a lot of talent in this draft.
2: Yeah, the, the wide uh, receiver has never been this deep. But there's some really good uh, interior defensive linemen, I think, if I read that correctly.
0: Speaking of big guys, did you guys get to do any looking up of the former D3-er Ben Barch? <laughs>
2: Love <laughs> I it. did. Love it. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so Love it. for anybody who doesn't know the story of Ben Barch. Two years ago, he was the third string tight end at St. John's University in Minnesota, a, a D3 school. And his coaches told him that they thought he had really good blocking skills, and so they suggested that he add some weight and move over to offensive line. Well, he did just that. He gained 70 pounds in a year, and now the 6'6", 250-pound player, or 320-pound player, is looking like a mid-tier, mid-round draft pick in the NFL draft. And someone asked him at the combine, what did you do to gain 70 pounds in a year? And he said all he did was drink this one simple shake every day. And that shake consisted of seven scrambled eggs, big tub of cottage cheese, quick grits, peanut butter, one full banana, and then Gatorade mixed in there, preferably red Gatorade, he said. And all you got, he said, they asked him how it tasted. and he goes... I don't know. Sometimes I just plugged my nose and I just chugged it down. I'm, I gagged a little bit every now and then, but hey, you got to do what you got to do. Mm. And my man's getting drafted now, so I guess it's all
1: worth it. Uh, mm. What did you think? What do you think about that shade? Dad? How do you think that would taste? You know, I saw a video of him, you know, making the shake at the combine for the uh, young lady that was uh, talking. Yeah. So we'll put
0: this in show notes. Colleen Wolf, uh, who works with NFL Network, she did a little interview with him and they made it right there. And she tasted it.
1: She acted like it wasn't that bad. You know, it didn't look as nasty as I thought it was going to look. I don't know. Scrambled eggs and Gatorade does not sound good to me. Um, I, I didn't understand why
0: scramble the eggs. If you're putting in a blender, why not just crack seven eggs and put it in there? Well, he said that. He,
2: he said he was worried about uh, salmonella or something. Oh, yeah, food salmonella. poisoning or something. <laughs> food yeah, poisoning. Poisoning. <laughs> so he thought he better cook it. And I thought it was funny. Said, he says, well, in the morning, you know, it's a little more lukewarm because the eggs are warmer in the morning. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Oh that's my a, that's God. an offensive lineman right there. You know, you could cook them the night before. I just have them in the refrigerator <laughs> ready to go. Uh, I just thought that was hilarious. I yeah. loved it. She
0: took, she took and like you said, pops Colleen Wolf took, t- Wolf took another drink. It was like, it's not terrible. And she looks <laughs> over and our boy Ben Bartsch is just chugging that sucker. He's like, I might as well down it yeah, while I'm
2: here. Yeah. yeah. He was at a keg party. And it was, it was no. awesome. He just chugged it around. Uh, you know, I, I'll give him credit though. He did. I, I'm not sure how grits got into that, but yeah. that's pretty uh-huh. interesting for a guy from Minnesota putting grits in it. But I, he get, you gotta get he re- your carbs in there yeah he said he researched and each one of these ingredients was from a natural standpoint had this level of carbohydrates and calories that he was looking for out of the shake so he actually did a little research so so props to him for that but well, I'm it, just
0: saying there's probably fantastic. better ways to do it like he could have made a peanut butter sandwich. That probably would be. That would taste pretty decent. Had a Gatorade on the side to wash everything down. Eight seven scrambled eggs, just scrambled eggs. They're tasty. I like scrambled eggs. Four or five. And then, I don't know.
1: You know, whatever.
0: You know, there's ways to do it, but I guess it'd be hard. Maybe you would get full. Of, maybe if you just put it all in one drink and chug it real fast, it's just a way to get it in the body. I don't know, but I just yeah, I heard it. I read yeah. it in a tweet, and then I actually saw them, they did the thing on the NFL that's Network where he made it, and I was like, my gosh, that's pretty good. I bet Gatorade loved that. Oh, they loved having him say Gatorade <laughs> over And then they had Gatorade on the thing. You know they had to love it. Uh, uh, yeah. Speaking – well, did you guys have any other things you wanted to mention from at least like performances on the combine or things you've come – because I want to have a fun game where we talk about what NFL coaches we think would do best <laughs> at combine categories. But I wanted to make sure there wasn't anything we were leaving out from the combine
2: that you guys saw or picked up on this weekend. No, I one thing I'll say is it's fun to talk about this stuff. And geeks really love to talk about this. NFL geeks do. But – uh it it doesn't make any difference. C D Lamb is still a badass. And, you know, just cause he didn't run the fastest forty out there, this kid's gonna be awesome. And and so that's what kind of comes out of the combine is you gotta take it with a little bit of a grain of salt. The lower guys might say, hey, this guy actually should be considered. But for the top the guys that were already in the top part of the draft, the combine can be a non-event.
0: Yeah, I mean, I like I like the combine. And there are times where you like you see a guy like Isaiah Simmons. He I think he was already going to get drafted high, but he might have just got himself top three with what he did at the mm-hmm. combine. But what why do we I think it's silly how it comes. It comes down to what these guys did when they were wearing shorts and t-shirt. Throw on the game tape, and if CD Lamb ran a four or five, whatever, I've watched him at Oklahoma make a catch every time they needed a catch on third down. I, I think he's pretty good. So yeah. sometimes I think the the combine gets a little overrated. I but wish it's all fun.
2: Yeah, the only thing is, I I wish they would open it up to the public. Because can you imagine? <laughs> Having a three day ticket to the NFL Combine and in the stands, and them announcing everybody's going to the forty and the the fans that would be that would be awesome. I'd do it. People would go to it. They if they did it, people would go. Hilarious. That'd I be would love fun. That. Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: All right, so, and then a little tease ahead, too. We also, we're going to talk a little Wonderlick test, and we've actually taken the Wonderlick test, so you'll get to hear what we made on it, and uh, we'll actually put a link in the show notes where you can take it, too. But first, before we get to that, I do want to talk about the NFL coaches and who you think would do the best at combine categories. So we'll start out first with the bench press, and the bench press, what they do at the combine, it's basically they put 225 pounds on the bar, and to see how many times you can bench press it. So I'm going to go to you first, Pops. Who would – out of the NFL coaches right now, I'm. are we doing – well, I guess we should ask this. Are we doing active coaches? Like what if the guy's not currently a coach? Well, Do they still count
1: um, or, or- – I took it as active coaches and I took it as right now. So if if you think Me Andy, too, but I didn't think of If you about think it. Andy Reid was just a ball of fire in his 20s. I mean, he is 61 years old. <laughs> no, oh yeah, no, know, no no no. So. I'm saying
0: yeah. I'm saying 61 year old right now, Big Red's getting underneath that bar and seeing
1: how many times he can push so, it up. So, so, so I didn't pick him. I mean, I'm Okay, okay. Pick, so I took it as right now. I mean, uh so if you're asking are you asking me bench press?
0: I'm asking you bench press and I think to me, I think there's one or two obvious choices here, well, but I'll, what
1: you I have two choices in that. My my number two choice is Ron Rivera. And okay, my num- not my, bad. my number one choice is Mike Vrabel. That was Mike Vrabel's got to be
0: number
2: one, right? He was literally playing linebacker two years two we- years ago. So, so that what do you was, think, Tony? Uh, yeah. All right, bench for me, and I I did get some outside help on this, but I. I I I agree with this Put Mike Tomlin on the bench. I think I thought
1: about Tomlin, Tomlin, but did you know Tomlin was a wide receiver in college, by the way?
2: Yeah. But he has thickened
1: up a little bit. He's thickened
2: up a little bit. I I, just by the look on his face, I think he could toughen up and do the bench press and reps on it.
1: Yep. I agree with that. My first choice was
0: going to be Mike Vrabel, too, just because, I mean, I've watched – I think there was a game this year where he was doing push-ups on the sideline before the game. Like he was doing like a full warm-up routine like he's still playing. So I think Mike Vrabel could still throw around some weight. I, the other I, guy I, I thought – I don't really know what it, what his former playing days was or if he did, but – Anthony Lynn for the Chargers just looks like a big guy. He's a
1: sturdy man. I don't know. I just feel like he probably could throw some weight around. So that's who I went with. Him. I did look. Anthony Lynn was a running back, I think, in in high school and pretty good. But he hurt a knee or something, and and yeah. and never did get to further his career. But so he's obviously huh. pretty agile and he looks pretty stout. I would
0: agree. He just, yeah, he just looks like a man I wouldn't really want to you know bump into on the bar and accident or spill his drink or something. I, he just looks like a big <laughs> man. Um, Let's go. I, let's go forty yard dash now. And Tom, we'll let you go first. What coach do you think would do the best at the forty yard dash?
2: Uh I'm gonna go with uh, Kyle Shanahan because he's the littlest guy. So I'm thinking he's got to be fast because he sure is sure not gonna beat anybody up. So I'm gonna go Kyle Shanahan.
0: So I think I, I like that pick because I think his build makes me think he probably runs. I, for some reason though, I feel like Kyle Shanahan is more of a long distance runner maybe not a quick 40 he can probably hit he can hit 5 miles or something on the treadmill while
1: watching film i don't know if he's hitting yeah. that quick 40 pops what do you think well real quick did you know that Kyle Shanahan did play wide receiver at UT oh! He did play wide receiver at UT. Now for UT, his career, UT, for Texas or his, Tennessee? UT, Texas. Now for okay. his career, he had like thirteen receptions, one hundred and forty yards for his career. If you're there though, if you so, made it to but, Texas, but if, if you, you made, made it to, to Texas, UT, that says something. So, so I think that's that pretty might be fair. a good pick, then, tone. He might be on the money. What he, do you think, Bob? He was on my board, Tony. But I'll tell you, I kind of <laughs> he was on the big board. <laughs> he was on the big board. But I have, I'm gonna give you two. But my first choice. Well, I'll give you. I'm gonna give you my second choice first. My second choice was Matt LaFleur because, again, he, he looks smaller, agile. He's young. He was a wide receiver and quarterback in college. But my number one choice is Sean McDermott, the guy at Buffalo. He was a safety He still looks pretty damn sturdy to me. Like, yeah, that's probably a decent pick. So I I pick Sean McDermott. See, and I think
0: I messed up actually. As I was criticizing Tony's pick, I looked at mine and thought, actually, this is probably this guy. I chose Cliff Kingsbury. I bet Kingsbury probably gets on the treadmill and runs for a long distance. I don't think he's got the explosive speed. So I and I like your Lafleur pick because Lafleur. And I will go on to the next category. Well, floor is who I picked for vertical jump. Which mm. vertical for anyone who's not quite aware, vertical is standing flat foot and you reach up and you get measured how you reach, and then you jump up again and touch size point point. And it's the difference of those is your vertical. And I chose the floor because, like you said, I don't. Th- I think he's athletic, and he played wide receiver at Western Michigan, and then played some backup quarterback in the National Indoor Football League with yeah. the Omaha Beef. So the, the Omaha, Omaha beef, beef? <laughs> I love yeah, that. The fact that I, when I saw Omaha beef, I was like, I gotta find a way to get Omaha beef in the podcast. <laughs> oh boy, so, but yeah, I think Lafleur sneaky, maybe sneaky athletic. I think he might be able to get up there on a, on a vertical jump. Pops, what, who do you got for the vertical?
1: I, well, I was same too. I mean, it, so so Lafleur like and McDermott were my vertical jump again. Same yeah. reason because if if you run a, a good forty, a good fast forty, you probably you're explosive. You probably are going to have a good good leaping ability.
2: I, Kings- All right, Tone,
0: what do you got? Kingsbury, Kingsbury. was my
2: vertical. Yeah. See,
0: I just I I just think Kingsbury is going to come in one of these. I just think he he's somewhat athletic. I feel like he yeah. cares about you know staying in the staying in shape and stuff. I could see him doing good in one of these. Yeah. Uh, for the three cone drill, which I kind of just went off the other, which a, a name I hadn't picked for anyone else, and I did a little digging. I'm going to go with Kevin Stefanski. Did you guys know? Kevin Stefanski, Stefanski played. He played. He's now the coach of what? The Browns? Is that where he just took the job over yeah. at the Browns? He played defensive back at Penn University and was to, in 2004. He was All Ivy League. So oh, my man. Well, <laughs> well there's so that. He
2: is the, he's
0: the fastest slow white guy. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. There we go. Well, and 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 so that's why I think you get him up against. I would. I really wish though he wouldn't win any of these awards, but I just want to see Bill Belichick go through all these. I just would love to see it. Yeah. I think he actually might surprise you. I think – actually, no, Bill Belichick going not surprise you any of these drills. He could tear up an elliptical, though. I bet he gets on that elliptical and goes for hours. <laughs> did, you, did y'all have anybody for the three-cone drill?
2: I have McDermott. I have McDermott because so of, of the athleticism. Because he's overall – I think McDermott. Overall, that three-cone drill kind of shows you that. That's why – I, I like that pick and pops. Like are you, kind of psych- like once you get to the vertical
0: and well, and three cone and and forty, you yeah. kind of start cycling through the yeah. same guys. I
1: feel like you you do, but I do, and, and so I did have still McDermott and Lafleur and Shanahan in that in that thing, but I also had Sean McVay. I just kind of think he could be. He's kind of he's not real tall, you know. I think he's short, quick, side to side. I, Mike Tomlin, who was a wide receiver in college, I still think he could, and Anthony Lynn, who as we just talked about, had was a running back. If it wasn't uh, for that bum day, knee. for that Except for that bum knee. So I had those those guys on the three-cone drill. As well.
0: A guy, I think he wouldn't, and I guess we he did get picked from one of the categories, but I, I think he wouldn't like have the fastest 40 or the best vertical, but he'd be like you see some of these offensive linemen running good times. I do think Ron Rivera would have a, a solid combine. I think he would put together a, a good little overall <laughs> performance if you had him at, at Indianapolis.
2: Yeah, uh, I think you're right.
0: I had Sean McVay, but only for the Wonderlick test because he can remember everything he's ever done in his entire life. And I just think he's a, a little bit of a genius. So that's who I chose yeah. for the Wonderlick test.
2: Yeah. that's McVay who, was on my yeah. list. McVay's for which, the Wonderlic, yeah.
0: Which gets us to the Wonderlick. The Wonderlick is what they have all the players test during the NFL combine. And I looked up a very just general definition of the Wonderlick test is it's used to assess a person's problem solving capabilities and ability to understand direction. Not really sure how they got direction, but... What we all took it uh, before we go scores pops. Can you try to explain what, if, if you were telling someone what the wonder league test was like, what would you say? Uh, it's, Screw the word scrambles. <laughs> it's not easy, but they have some yeah. word scrambles.
1: And, and I, we did, as we texted before this, I'm also not get, great at those. And I just passed on every word scramble well, pretty much.
0: Because for anyone who, uh, I, I didn't mention, it's it's 50 questions in 12 minutes. So you so need to go fly. pressure So those pressure. word scrambles, I was, I'm was i I'm on board with you. I was like, damn it. I just put it next. I just submitted and went next. I wasn't going to spend two but minutes. But I think a good like
1: way to to maybe describe the test to me is, is it gives you some facts and it asks you to figure out an answer, but it's trying to get you to figure out it in general terms. Like one was subtracting like 1300 from 57 so you knew it had to be 5400 you know, and then there was $0.45 cents or $0.55, cents, but you could tell by the change. So I think, I don't know that I got it right or not, because it didn't tell you which ones you got right or not, but it was like just trying to make sense. It wasn't getting a piece of paper and, add and subtract it because you don't have time you just had to see which number makes the most sense so I, yeah that's the way i took the test
0: a lot of it kind of i think they uh, and probably the reason and we'll get to the scores lj did pretty well because i think a, a lot of it came to just like using deductives i, I just figure out sure. okay that one's wrong that one's wrong that one's wrong real quick and then narrowing down to two and then doing some quick math in your head yeah. uh tony would you kind of agree or was there another but besides uh <laughs> screw the word scrambles was there a thought yeah. you had from the, the word really but-
2: you said something there, I think, that this, what this test is trying to define, and that's deductive, making mm-hmm. a choice in a, in a short period of time. That's what makes this test a little different. Uh, you don't have to be perfect, but you have to make the best possible decision in the least amount of time. And so that's that's where I think this test kind of came up. like Word, uh, number patterns, I thought, you know, making specific quick mathematical decisions based upon the answers, being able to, and this is where I think it relates to football, being able to see a full list of answers looking at the question and being able to define that's where I, that's the answer I need to have right now. And so that's where I think it is. I will say this. If you practice a lot, I bet you you could get a pretty good score. Yep. If you don't practice, yeah. you're not going to get a very good score.
0: Well, so that gets me to my – I ended up taking the test twice. My first score, I had no idea – or my first time taking it, I had no idea what I was getting into. And uh, I scored a seventeen. Which to them they said it makes me as smart as Eddie Lacey, who also scored a seventeen. Mm, so Eddie made a
1: little not bit. not too good on my first one. What, uh, Pops, what did you get on your first one? So, oh, my first one, I got a fifteen, and so I'm as good as Ha Ha Clinton Dix. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Alabama players here. Um,
0: we could make it into the University of Alabama if we were only good at football. Um, yeah, I think the reason I got a little better on my first one is because I realized at one point I didn't, I had, I did have a timer going. So I knew how much time was gone and it was like 11 minutes and I was still, uh, I was still early in the test. So I just started guessing like blowing through them just so at least I got a score, a, a like answer on each one. So maybe that got me a few extra points. Cause I was struggling that first time. Tony, what did you get on your first
2: one? On My first one, I believe I got a 14, which was hey. on Clowney. And, <laughs> and the reason I got a 14 on the first one was cause I'm sitting in the living room watching it. And, and, uh, uh, Law and Order SVU was on, and you know dun, dun. I kept dun dun and I kept going. Oh, <laughs> is that the person? Oh, is that the one? I, and so I really wasn't concentrating. In that first word scramble, I probably spent five minutes on the first damn word scramble. Like, gosh, I shouldn't have done that. And then I got into the rest of the questions. And, oh, now I know what I'm doing. But and then I ran out. I only. I only got to answer like 21 questions the first time I took it. So and next time I got about 30, 35. So.
0: Next time, if, if for, for all those draft prospects that are out there listening to JPP, because I know there's a ton, <laughs> I would tell them, do a couple of practice tests before you get there. Because it, once you know what you're up against, I think, which LJ, I don't know if this was his first score or not. I, I pro- probably was. But he sent us his first score and he said he scored a 30, which was as smart as Philip Rivers. Oh, that's some
2: bullshit. He did not. No, actually, I lied. I lied. I lied. No,
0: I lied. LJ scored a 39, which made him as smart as Eli Manning. Sorry, I scored a 30 on my second round, (laughs) second go through. LJ scored a 39, which. He does have the nickname, Uncle Tony. He has the nickname is 32 because he, he, he's good at taking tests. And that was the okay,
1: score on the ACT. Was ACT. I sure he hope, had a
2: 32 on the ACT. I sure so. hope he doesn't have any student loans because if he's scoring a 39 on wonder wonderlick, he sure as hell gotten a free education. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, What is the high score? What is the high 50, score? Because I think you get a point for
0: every answer you get right. So if you got oh, a 50. Okay. And since you – yeah, since you asked, we had looked up <laughs> who was the top scorers, and it was a punter, Pat McAnally. I was the only that. known player to get a perfect score on the Wonder League test. He came from Harvard and played primarily on special teams, though he was used occasionally as a wide receiver and hauled in five touchdowns at, at Harvard. But my man was good in the Wonder League. Some other notable <laughs> names, uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick got a 48, another Harvard product.
1: Mm.
0: Uh, ben Watson, tight end, got yeah, a 48. 48. Ben Chung. Got a six. Frank Gore, six. Oscar Davenport, six. The lowest ever, though, of course, drafted by the Dallas Cowboys, Morris Claiborne.
2: (laughs) Morris Claiborne?
0: Morris Claiborne got a four (laughs) on the Wonderlick (laughs) test.
2: He's stuck on those word scrambles, man.
0: They say the average score for the Wonderlick test is a 20 out of a possible 50, according to Wonderlick, Inc. So... If you're making 20, you're not doing bad. But I think it's really, I think you're do it a second time. Because once you do it at a second time, you realize if you don't get that word scramble right off the bat, just skip Believe it. it. No. Don't sit there and spend well, squ- three minutes on what
1: you get on your second 24, one. 24. 24. Well, I got a 29 on my second one. I'm as smart as Andy Dalton. <laughs> the Red Rocket.
2: The Red Rocket. Yeah. RG3s. And I'm smartest. <laughs>
1: So
0: if anybody wants to go out there and see if they're smarter than the JPP pod, which uh, if you're going just off our first scores, you probably will. um, (laughs) We will put a link in the show notes on where you can go take the one or test. Now you can't you can see the answers you get wrong if you'd like to, but I think you have to pay like $4.99 and it wasn't worth that much for me to see what I got wrong. So I just took it again. Uh, but yeah, it was it was kind of interesting to finally do the Wonderly test because we've seen people. I think Andrew Luck also got a really good Kip, score on the Wonderly yeah, test. Yeah, thirty-seven. Or something. Kip,
2: what'd you get on your second one?
0: The second one, I got a thirty. Damn. I was Philip Rivers on the second one. I, I, uh, but I did what I. I, I started skipping through. If I spent more than like, and I noticed That's on the second I one, up. I noticed on the second one, I got a couple of questions that I'd already had, I just, so I, I was able too, to yeah. answer a few really fast. And then I, then I pretty much just work didn't for.
2: do,
0: I pretty much didn't do any word scrambles. Cause I'm just not, I'm not one of those people that do them really well. Like I know a shout out to Cody McGee's good at, good at word scrambles. I'm mm. just not. So I just skip through all of them. I either the see a God word
1: scramble there. real quick or
2: I don't, you know, and that's yeah. why. So I,
0: there's I, no point in messing around no with point it. In waiting. You, yeah.
2: Yeah. I've had a drink now. I'm thinking i will go back and test. <laughs> I'm sure you do better after a drink, you, you know, relax it's, a little bit, you know? Yeah. It's how I got a 28 on the ACT the first time I took it. Mm. By drinking before? Yeah, absolutely.
0: That's how uh, we used to uh, do it
2: back in the day in Saline County.
0: <laughs> well, before we get out of here, we've done a lot of NFL talk, and I wanted to hit a few uh, a couple other news and notes. Did you see, Pops, I know you probably haven't caught a lot of NBA, but it's about that time where you might start getting in, and we might have a new rivalry budding in the NBA between James Harden, the bearded one, and Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. Did you see some of those uh, – interview that James Harden had with
1: Rachel Nichols? I I did, and you know, I mean, I, I thought Harden handled himself okay. I thought, you know, he... He didn't see the joke about the All-Star game where Giannis said that uh, he wanted somebody that was going to pass the ball. And Harden uh, <laughs> aptly pointed out that he is way higher on the assist list yeah, than Kimball Walker. He says, I didn't even see it, but he knew exactly where
0: Kimball Walker stood on the assist list and where he stood on the assist list and like how much more he was more than him a game.
1: Well, now Rachel, love- now, Rachel Nichols pointed out where they stood. Well, he just said that I was a lot higher. He said, I got more assists than... Kimball Walker, and then I'm just said, saying,
0: when when any pro athlete tells you, "Oh, I don't see that," I I almost guarantee they're lying. <laughs> I yeah, just feel like yeah. that's what they say they because because it's kind of what drives them a little bit, you know. It's what it keeps them going. And it did seem. And then his remark to about Giannis that he was like, "Well, I wish I was seven feet tall and could just dunk on everybody. It doesn't take any skill. What I have to do takes skill. He doesn't have any skill." Yeah, and
1: <laughs> well. Let me just say this, Kevin. If I get the choice between – I get to pick one, James Harden or Giannis Antetokounmpo, I'm picking Antetokounmpo. Period. <laughs> yeah, I think Not I'm a question. You. <laughs> no hesitation. And I think like Harden's <laughs> a hell of a player, but I'm picking the Greek freak.
0: Well, on Sunday, uh, two games after, this came out on Friday, and then Giannis had a game. I think at, on that game he played on fr- Friday. After three quarters, he had like 32-15 and 15 or something and then didn't play much of the fourth. And then on Sunday – Giannis reeled off a 40, 40 points, twenty rebounds, and five uh, assists game in just thirty five minutes, being the first Buck to ever do that since Kareem Abdul Jabbar. So, I think uh, Mister No Skill Giannis is trying to show. I, I, if you're if you're any other player in the NBA, I'm just thinking. Damn, James Harden, why'd you have to go and get Mm, this guy even more upset? Yeah, That's like talking shit to Shaq, and now he's just going to – he already is physically dominating. Now you gave him a reason to actually go out there and try. so Or go try harder. But I just thought it was – I like this stuff, though. Honestly, I think it's fun. It makes the game more fun, and it makes it more interesting when guys are kind of beefing with each other a little bit. You saw it more, I felt like, back in the day. And you don't see it as much now. I feel like now they're more friendly, even though I do think they want to beat each other. They just seem
2: more friendly with each could, other in today's hey, NBA. Could I? Could I ask y'all an NBA question? Of course. So is Zion all that, or is it too soon to tell? Ah, uh, well. Go so ahead, Kevin, as of there's some stats you could probably pull up. I don't
0: have them in front of me, and I think uh, as of we're recording this, he'll be playing the Lakers. He'll be playing LeBron for the second time, but I would say Giannis is. All that and he's wait.
1: exactly what he was hyped up to.
2: Zion, be. Zion.
0: I don't know, Zion, Zion. I like calling him Zion. I
1: don't. He said he doesn't no. care. No, wait, wait. He's asking Zion about Williams. Zion. Zion Williams from Dude. Yeah. What
0: did I say? That's what I'm talking about. I said, I you, said you said Giannis. Oh, oh, I meant Zion. Yeah, I meant Zion. Okay. okay. I think I think said Zion. Zion. Say it. whatever you want. <laughs> <So> you want. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were correcting it because at one point they corrected whether it was Zion or Zion. Because and
2: yeah. What? 'Cause as a well, casual you, th- fan, as a casual fan, I'm you know, the dude hadn't played for three months. And when he played it it in the uh college, he was a he was a man among boys. But now he's a man among men. Is he really that is he really all of that? Or Kevin,
1: is he, what is the thing? You know, yeah, he's he's is he been averaging like thirty and twelve or something? And he's in a averaging like 20,
0: 25 and twelve or twenty five and okay. nine. I don't think I don't know if it's quite a double double. But he's scoring twenty five points a game on sixty percent shooting, which yeah. is pretty unheard of as a rookie. He, he does some things. He's not Shaq, obviously because he's not seven foot one. But he does things where, like you said, Uncle Tone back in college when he was at Duke he would have those moments where it just looked like a grown man playing with boys. And he's doing the same thing now at the NBA at times okay. where he's pushing people around, he's dunking on people. When he jumps up to go get a rebound sometimes, it is just insane. I feel like I didn't watch much Charles Barkley because it was before my time. but I, And I know they kind of got compared a little bit, but there's just times where I know the guy's taller than Zion, but it just doesn't matter because he's just a He's beast. so strong. He's, okay. Quick, okay. strong, he has it all. The only thing that worries me is – I just
1: – I don't know if he's going to stay healthy. I don't – I hope he does. I think he's carried too much weight on those knees and ankles. I just – I he's, really do. They
0: have him listed at like 285, and Jeez. there's reports that he's playing at 300 right now. It's a – he's a big man.
1: Okay. Well, that's, And he and plays that's a above of, the rim. You know, he plays above the yeah. rim a lot, and you've got to come back to earth, and that's
2: where it's, <laughs> it's going to get him. I, it's a lot yeah. of meat. All right. Gravity's back. a bitch. I think we can all agree <laughs> to that. So yeah. – uh Okay. All right. Well, thank you for that. I just, you know, I'm a little concerned that we got all this hype on on Zion and just, I've seen a couple of games. I'm watching highlights and yeah, I've seen some great stuff, but, I do it for – anyway, thank you. We'll see. I think
1: that's he a had, good question, had In his, in his yeah. first –
2: earlier this
0: year, he had – he became the first rookie since Michael Jordan to record four consecutive games of at least 25 points while shooting at least 57% from the floor. The first rookie to do that since MJ. Anytime you're getting no. mentioned in sentence where you're the first since Michael Jordan. Okay, then.
2: <laughs> Never mind. That answers the question. <laughs> but, but I think – Quick shout-out, though, yeah.
1: on another guy – Kevin, you may have been watch. You've been watching Jason Tatum at Boston. This guy's he's been gone up to another wind. level. He's yeah. he has taken his game to another level. He is really playing his ass off right now. He's fun to watch.
0: Yeah, he he's gone to a whole other level. I finally I finally was able to pull up Zion's uh, stats for the year so far. He's playing twenty eight minutes a game, averaging twenty three points and seven rebounds on fifty eight percent from the field. So. If pretty solid pretty as a rookie good. if we'll, we'll see and but uh-huh. yes Jason Tatum has really stepped up a guy J- Ja Morant Zion's former teammate I have back not in gotten to well. I wanna,
1: yeah I want to watch Ja haven't seen he's him he's been play playing
0: yet. really good and yeah. I mean I don't think either one of them is going they're not making noise as far as like playoffs or anything but
1: they they are as advertised both of them they're a lot of fun to watch and, and Tony just while you're while you if you're want to you talk to Lehman, there's a there's a kid down at at Dallas, you might want to get a load of this Luka Doncic kid. He is, it's his second year, right, Kev? I think Yeah, he's, it's yeah. his second year. Oh, man. Well, and Trey Young is showing out. I, the, yeah. The NBA is exciting right now. There's some really yeah. some ballers in the NBA. I'll take a look. I'll take a look.
0: But it's about that time to really start honing in on another basketball, and that is. NCAA. It's March Madness. We are oh, in March, oh, oh, baby. Oh, yeah, March yeah. Madness is around the corner. I, I'm already getting excited for I think a, a championship week is like either this weekend or next. It's coming up
2: next weekend. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's right around the
0: corner. And this is a fun. I think this tournament we've I've, we've said this before, but there's not just a dominant team. There's not a couple. I, I think it's wide ass open this too. year.
2: I will tell you, and this is the first time North Carolina not going to. Probably not in the tournament. Maybe I would have made right? Yeah. Yeah. Right. They've been just bad. Like, they've bad, just not just been bad. very good at all. I, there is, is that, has the ACC finally been caught up to from everybody? I mean, Duke, maybe one of Duke the. Duke
0: slipped a lot of games, but I mean, yeah. I mean, they should I have, do. they have talent, but they've
2: had a lot, they've yeah. lost a lot of games they shouldn't have. I know. I really like this Florida State team. Uh, I really like, God forbid, I'm going to talk about big the Big East, but. Man, they look pretty good. Seton Hall, um, you know Xavier, although they're not ranked anymore. I think they've got some talent. We'll see if they make the Villanova's been hanging around all over the place, and um, and and they don't have one of their best squads. And, and yeah. everybody knows I, I like.
0: <laughs> there's a there's a couple of teams over on the west coast with San Diego State. I think they've lost just yeah. one game. Gonzaga's yeah. lost a few. I mean, those are those teams you you ne- you don't get to watch very you often because they it play it ten billion.
2: And how good is West Coast basketball still? And I was reading something the other day. UCLA might actually be back in the tournament this year. There's been a big turnaround at UCLA. But I don't I, – there's just not – West Coast basketball, from a collegiate standpoint, it's not what it used to be. Not well, so
0: you be. mentioned UCLA, and they, I just watched them play, actually, the other night, and, and West Coast basketball in general – have you caught any games, either one of you caught, and I think we might have mentioned this to Four Pops, have y'all watched any games where Bill Walton's calling them? Yes. <laughs> it's just comedy. It yeah. is comedy. It's, comedy. I, it's best. I, I kind of think he might, like, during, like, halftime, go out edibles
2: and,
1: and, and before the game.
2: <laughs> yeah. I'm yes. telling you, now. If if anybody out there wanted to get legislation against marijuana use, Bill Walton is your spokesperson. Because this guy, I'm telling you, it's just – all of a sudden, you're in the middle of a fast break. Well, that was a great fast break there, you know. I remember a break. We were out in the desert, and looking at this, it was just phenomenal, looking at the sky and the cactus. And, you know, I and could see everything there. And these guys see everything on the court just like that. It's,
0: and bless his soul, Dave Pash is his partner, and Dave Pash <laughs> does really well with him. He's always trying to – he's like, well, let's get back to the game. And then, like, he'll say something, and Pash, and, 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 and like, he'll say – Oh, and they did just confirm that that will be a flag, that will be a, a common foul, not a flagrant foul. And Bill Walton's like, "Well, no crap. I told you that a second ago. I told you that before they did, Dave." And like Bill Walton's just he's always on one. And Tony is dead right. Like he'll just randomly be like, "You know that was a good dunk. I remember when I was dunked when I was eight years old. It was in a it was in a swimming pool, and it was great." I mean, you just you never know what he's gonna say next. It's just know, wild. Awesome. So if you super- get a chance to watch any of the Pac-12 tournament catch some Bill Walton you either hate it or love it <laughs> yeah. I feel like I don't think there's any in between
2: yeah I think if we could put Booger and Bill together that would be a hell oh, of a team that's now we're talking now we're, now talking. we're talking yeah <laughs> alright well I
0: think that'll about wrap it up for this week's episode uh, before we get out of here do you guys we haven't done it in a while and usually Uncle Tony's got a good one in the in the bag but any uh, what we're listening to for this week
2: ooh I do. I'm so excited that you asked me that question. Oh, well, good. Okay. So, Cause I, had I have two. one I like too. So
0: let's go with you. Two, don't start you us off. You guys all.
2: are going to like that. And I don't know why i I did this, but I dialed up third eye blind and I oh, have really pulled it in in a while. And I pulled it up and it's like, damn, that was good stuff. And so I really been listening to that a lot. And then the other thing I've done is I have, uh, when I'm out walking or just, you want know, to need to do a bill Walton. I, uh, <laughs> I dial up, and I've I've gone to radio. dot com. I've I've downloaded K Rock K R O Q the uh, K Rock state uh, out of uh, L A. and it's a great alternative rock station. They play old alternative and, and and to me that they just play really really good music. And they'll go anywhere, all the way from Sublime to the nineteen seventy five to the. Uh, oh, so some know, Fallout Boy. They'll do all sorts of great stuff that you just. Oh yeah, I know that. Oh yeah, but it's just the best song. It's just really good. So i K- I've been listening to K Rock Radio, and I- I'm flashing back. It's it's really really good.
0: gives you a little blast from the past and some Blash stuff from right? the past. Yeah.
1: Pops, what do you got? Well, I'm a little off the uh trail here. Somebody I had mentioned before, and it's it's, it's I can't tell you an album. I, I know I can see it in my mind, but I can't remember the name. Government Mule. Government uh, Mule is some, never even heard of. It's some good old rock, rock and freaking roll. roll. It's just yeah. it's good stuff, and I'll put some Government Mule favorites uh, on the website nice. for our listeners to hear. Government, Government mule.
0: Mule, the Government Mule's got a look
2: to them. That they got a look. They, they look got a look. They mule. got a sound, baby. Was Neil Young <laughs> Government Mule, or did they Dave back? Yeah.
1: I don't remember if he, he, may, I kind of think he might have been for a brief period of time, Tommy. Okay. Um, So I, I don't know a I lot got about one. him, just know I like him. So, I go.
0: got one for you, and it's an album. It's a band everyone knows, and it's just an album I guess I'd never heard because it was a little older, a little before my time or early. So I was listening to some Green Day, the oh, album Dookie. Stuff. Oh, good, good stuff. Yes, it is man. a, I've, I don't, I've never heard any of the songs on it. And what? then I put it I was I someone suggested it and I went and put it on and my goodness it is a good album. It's a great it rocks. It rocks. I mean it awesome. that is really that really, is, really good. And
2: punk rock at its well not at its finest but uh, that alternative punk rock. The lyrics on Dookie are just phenomenal. It's I just, mean the
0: album so far I'm actually not all the way through it but I'm about 10 songs deep and
2: I mean I'm loving it. So here's the line that I always remember from Dookie. And sorry for all those listeners out there. This is a great line. And Prince normally writes the greatest lines ever, but this one is (laughs) great. When masturbation has lost its fun, you're fucking lonely. That's just such a great line. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. And that's from Uh, know. I don't know
0: if LJ can find a way to put that into the the title of this week's episode, but if he can, he'll find a way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's that's a great album. Go through let all me just way, say, Kev, me, me, and your beloved Uncle Tony actually went to see Green Day in Little Rock. We one did. of the best concerts I've been to. They well, and Little I knew Rock. I knew
0: some Green Day, but I knew more Green Day, like the more newer th- stuff. You of knew Green like Day.
1: Boulevard of
2: Broken Dreams. Yeah, I and think, I'm and, yeah. I think
0: I didn't know the best the best of Green Day. Like this stuff I, is yeah, up they, there.
2: I will say that. American Idiot and Dookie are two. You could argue that they're top ten of all time, top twenty for sure, top twenty five. Amazing. I mean, uh, for for that type of album, they're really good.
0: And the album art's pretty. It's neat too. I mean, yeah. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. Interesting album cover. So I wanted to give them a shout out. So, all right. Well, I Excellent. think that will wrap us up for another week of the Just Press Play podcast. We did take off last week, so no, you didn't miss any episodes. But we are back, and we're better than ever, as the good old Mike Greenberg would say. And we oh. will be back with you next week. Sure, I, I, I'm pretty sure LJ will be back, but we'll, we'll just have to see. I'm a little busy, but uh,
2: we'll be back. Tony, I appreciate you hopping on with us, as always. Anytime, anytime. Pops. Best six I man will. in the
1: business. Best six man in the business. <laughs> Best man off the bench.
0: Some people call him Manu Ginobili. Some call him Uncle Tony. You just never know. He's the six man we all – you didn't know you need, but he's here. All right that'll do it for another week make sure you catch us on our website at jpbpod.com we'll put a link to that wonder test where you can go take it and see if you're smarter than the guys as well as all the show notes from this week's episode and then make sure you're subscribing us and following us on either apple spotify stitcher wherever you get your podcasts and then go find us on facebook and twitter all right that'll do it peace out guys
1: peace, peace.